if it's a consistent payment over a period of time that improves the quality of life of the recipient, um, then they'll be considered to be a financial dependent. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 216 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Why would you consider a family allowance agreement? This is the question I asked Grant Abbott of Lightyear Docs and I Love SMSF. And as usual, please take all this as entertainment, talk to your financial advisors and don't believe a word we say. Just to recap, we already touched on the family allowance agreement last year in episode 211 when Grant spoke about the leading member concept. You can do it to anyone who's financially dependent, but if they're a child of yours, then they have to be under age 25 and financially dependent. Once you're over age 25, you can't pay an income stream to that child, so you have to pay a lump sum. But if you were paying it to a grandchild who's not a child, then they can continue on for ad infinitum if you want. If the grandchild is financially dependent Depend, on the grandparents at the time. Which is why death. we've built, um, you find that a lot of grandparents anyway build, for example, family allowances, or they provide benefits for the grandkids and the family. So you can put in place a family allowance agreement, and that family allowance agreement essentially puts in a ongoing cost of living, you know, providing expenses for the family that will then deem that family or potentially put that whole family as a financial dependence. And that would work even if the children or grandchildren earn high incomes and yeah, don't probably, really need this allowance? Probably the quantum, if they've got a, a huge income, if they're on like four or five hundred thousand, they're only getting maybe a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars a month, probably not. But if the rest of the family is being provided with an allowance directly, then that would be okay. So you might end up with the grandchildren and the spouse being financially dependent on the grandparents, but not necessarily the main contributor. So you can actually choose. You could either do it as a family allowance or you can choose as an individual. So, for example, now I could make you could be my financial dependent if I was giving you money, so brothers, sisters, all of that. So if you start to look around that, that will then give you a base for it. Okay, so for example, if a couple has one son and this son is a high income earner, yeah. but then the son has a non-working spouse and has dependent children, yeah. then the grandparents could make spouse, this allowance yeah. agreement with the spouse and with the children. Correct. And then the grandchildren and the spouse would be dependent and hence could receive a reversionary pension yep. from the grandparents. And Correct. so the funds wouldn't have to leave the fund. They Correct. wouldn't need to be cashed out but could just move over to yeah. their And if the original accounts. pension was tax-free, then it means whoever receives it will always have it tax-free. So I can pay, mm. you know, it can stay in the fund, can just be paid out. Ongoing. Yeah, you keep the components. So if Correct. something is in the tax-free component, it yeah. stays in the tax-free component. So Correct. So for this episode, we will delve deeper into the ins and outs of family allowance agreements. You already touched on it, family allowance contract and then yep. dependency declarations. And yep. that is basically just to turn people who are not otherwise dependent on you into death benefit dependence. Yeah, it's probably the reverse. I mean, a lot of grandparents and all that 
obviously if they're if your children, it's pretty obvious. But a lot of grandparents will provide, or senior members will provide, uh, monetary benefits to families over time. So whether it's a, um, you know, ten thousand here or five thousand there or whatever. Deposit for a house. Yeah, exactly. So it's better off if you can actually say, well, we'll forget about that. What we'll do is we'll do a consistent payment. So it's like an allowance. Then if you have a look at the courses, uh, the courts like Malik's case and Falls case, uh, there's a Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority ruling. There's a whole lot of things that if if it's a consistent payment over a period of time that improves the quality of life of the recipient, um, then they'll be considered to be a financial dependent. And again, but if you're earning, as you said, three four $400,000 and you're getting $1,000 a month, it's probably not going to be for them, but if you spread it to the children and all that, obviously that's going to improve their, their standard of life. For example, you could say that a lot of grandparents will pay some portion of the kids, their grandchildren's school fees. So rather than doing that, why not pay an allowance that then covers school fees, living expenses, clothes, everything, because that will then formalise that financial dependency so that if there is a lump sum paid out on death, instead of being up for you know, 17% potentially, if we can show this financial dependency, then there won't be any tax payable. And the courts seem to construe providing monies for the grief-stricken family rather than obviously the tax office. Once we do that, then the member themselves inside the fund should then write a dependency declaration saying, you know, I hereby declare Johnny and, you know, little Billy and William and all that, they're now my dependents. I believe they're my dependents because I'm paying their school fees and this and this and this. So it becomes a, a fairly tight binding element. Now, that doesn't mean the commission is not going to have a go at it, but if you don't have it in there, then you're virtually sort of negated there. Yeah. And, and really, you know, grandparents who are well-to-do do that anyway. They just haven't got a formal process for that. The dependency declaration and the family allowance contract just gives you a good defence against the Yeah, it's evidence, yeah. It's like having, a, like for example, investment strategy. You need to put in place an investment strategy, but if you haven't got one and then you get caught up with the investment strategy, if, if you don't have anything in evidence, then how can you prove you've got an investment strategy? The only way all of this is that if the tax office comes in and they're sitting down with the trustees of the fund and the auditors are questioning the, the trustees, and the trustees got no idea what's going on, then that's when the whole thing, that whole bubble starts to burst. And the worst thing would even be if it ends up going to court and you wouldn't, wouldn't need very great barrister to actually smash that to pieces. So this family allowance contract, it's yeah. basically about mum and dad only have adult children, some of them are doing well, some of them are not doing so well. Without this family allowance contract, mum and dad would be under pressure, if they think of it, to make sure their super is gone by the yeah. time they die because if they're still super by the time they die, yeah. there would be death Yeah, exactly, which is and another so, 17%. Yeah. Exactly, and so they could then set up this family allowance contract, mm. pay an allowance to the child or the children mm. who are not doing so well, yeah. and then hence make sure that super goes to those children who are struggling, yeah. and they have saved up to 30% of tax. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a look at because there might be capital gains tax in the fund. So this is, again, going back, I think, in the future, the could even be the living will that, you know, ideally, you know, pay out these sort of benefits or set up trust for your family, not through SMSF, you know, but ongoing. So we don't, ideally, 
if at the end of the day, if you knew when you die, you don't need to be left with one cent super. So you don't have any of that problem. But what we're doing is we're doing a, a bit of a fudgy way around it. Well, not fudgy. We're, we're, what we're trying to do is set in place a, a, a scheme of events. Way a strategic way. But the more strategic way is to probably take that living will idea and, and set it up so that if there's plenty of money in there, set up a trust, a leading member trust for each of the children of the family, take it out of your SMSF because then it's capital, it's tax-free, set up the trust for the family next in line, well, they could be in line themselves, next in line the appointor so that when they die, it just carries on to the, the next generation. So it's even better than the SMSF, but it's still in its very nascent days in Australia. But while it's in the SMSF, it's tax-free, assuming Correct. they're both in pension phase, whereas Correct. once you take it out and put it into a discretionary trust, Correct. I know. you pay tax. I know, I know exactly. So it's the, it's the ideal timing, which doesn't work that often. Welcome back. So there are three reasons why you might consider a family allowance agreement. This agreement allows your super fund to A, pay super directly to somebody who without this agreement wouldn't be a cis-dependent. And as you know, only cis-dependents can receive super directly from a fund. The rest need to receive any super through the estate, through your estate or somebody's estate, through the estate of the person we are talking about. B, this agreement allows your super fund to pay an income stream to somebody who otherwise wouldn't be able to receive an income stream but would only be able to receive a lump sum. And C, avoid paying so-called death tax on your super when your super goes to somebody who without this agreement would have to pay death tax as a non-death benefit dependent, as a non-tax dependent. In the next episode, episode 217, Matthew Taylor will talk about how to choose a buyer when selling your accounting firm. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.